Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another podcast broadcast alignment discussion meeting of Conscious Creators. I'm Asher here with Michael, and today we're going to be diving into the triad of awareness. The way of the Conscious Creator process is broken up into three triads. The first is the triad of awareness, which consists of three measures. The first measure is that we begin to recognize habit patterns that undermine our purpose. The second measure is that we gain awareness of those patterns. And the third measure is that we acknowledge those patterns. So it's kind of an interesting process of gaining awareness and waking up. And then we move on to the second triad of desire and then finally the triad of willingness. Um, within the triad of um, awareness, third measure, um, there's a little section from that measure which says we, we acknowledge uh, the effects of supporting our self-defeating habit patterns. So we're basically going in and we're looking at our programming and we're saying uh, it's interesting because there's an outline that we put together. I don't know if you've seen this yet. Did you see on, on, on Facebook that we wouldn't bought a, I'll show you real quick. We bought a forty, a four foot by three foot whiteboard. Oh, cool! And um, you can kind of see all that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and so it talks about like, let's click on it, make it bigger. So it talks about like, um, you know, it has like the different styles, the different ways in which we're already kind of supporting, you know, the, the fear and control, the ego. Uh, I mean, it talks about how the garden, where the Garden of Eden, the fall of man happened and how Cain and Abel, basically about 10,000 years ago was the birth of the fear and control empire, where Cain was not a literal person who was feuding with his brother, but it was an agricultural style. And the agricultural style was bumping up against the herders. And so Abel was kind of a hybrid between hunters and gatherers. Um, you know, he was a herder, so it was a, a, a pastoralist. And so Cain was – that. this was almost like a virus that spread out of the north and came across the Fertile Crescent. And it was a style of agriculture that was basically starting to walk up the food, cultivate the land, and control the populational growth and play God through the cultivation of food. And so this is, you know, basically re getting back to when the birth of uh, birth of uh, fear and control empire started. And this is basically talking about the different ways in which it's the trauma virus, which you've heard us mention in here, has spread and enslaved people already. And so. And then it talks about in the South, this is basically kind of more like a biblical track or like a story that's told. It goes through three different phases. And then here is, you know, what is the unconscious creator? Well, people are born into this world to create. You know, they can either create, they can, their creations can be motivated by fear or love. They can consciously create or unconsciously create. Um, and the thing that's kind of the dirty bomb that influences what kind of creations we make and support is this trauma virus. And so once trauma is introduced into the equation, how trauma knocks us off our spiritual surfboard, disconnects us from our fundamental essence within, and we begin to live in the fear. And we begin, we create survival patterns. You know, we come out of these source point moments right. of trauma, and we create these survival patterns that are based on 
you know, avoiding any particular threat that might rec- might be recognizable to the original threat there. Like, so we felt the trauma, for example, with me, it would be like any older man trying to help me would be suspect. And I would create situations and do things to undermine those potential relationships because they are threatening to me. And I think they're going to do something to me. Right. Well, and I think trauma too is such a key word in how we understand really everything because at the end of the day, that's really what the core of those of us in recovery are trying to uncover is where, you know, it's like, okay, the addiction, you know, the alcoholism, the whatever, you know, the things that were wreaking havoc in our lives float on the surface of these underlying traumas. When we talk about like the addiction iceberg, you see the top of the iceberg, that's your addiction. But underneath it's this whole huge, like 90% of it is laying, you know, in this world of trauma. So I just kind of wanted to highlight that here in our recording because um, it's so fundamental to how we begin to recognize anything is really getting you know, underneath that scab and getting into um, understanding those traumas in order to gain, recognize anything, gain any kind of awareness or move into the world of acknowledgement, we have to be willing to dig through those traumas for sure. Well, and it's interesting because um, just to even acknowledge the fact that they're in, you know, in, in you know, looking at, at these trauma, traumatic events, almost as impactful experiences, right. anything that left an impression that knocked us off our spiritual surfboard, that disconnected us from our fundamental essence and dis brought us out of alignment with that spiritual wisdom that's within all of us. Exactly. Cause those, cause it's not necessarily, um, you know, a sexual assault, a plane crash, like it, everyone's trauma isn't going to look the same, um, as we've highlighted in the past. So you're right. It could, you know, it could just be, I just got on the wrong track. Suddenly I'm hanging out with the wrong people. I'm, you know, whatever it is that the things that are pulling you, you know, into this space of suddenly you find yourself in God only knows what situation and addiction, but um, you're right. It's, it's a multi-layered facet. Mm-hmm. And so with this, you know, and so when we're going through, we have the traumas happen and then we start to, basically the trauma itself is, is coming out of our mother's womb because from the right. minute there right. Being we're born already, into the world, you know, we're born into this world of Cain energy and we're born into this world of like trauma conditioning and we're born into this world that shares a fearful love. And so it's almost like casting pearls before swine. It's like, why would we, you know, expose something so inherently sacred within us to something so scared and so, um, toilsome as the human experience is that's you know governed by fear and control and so what happens is 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 the unconscious creator we're born into an unconscious world and then we start to create these thought patterns and program our unconscious mind and build this belief system based on decisions we make experiencing this this unconscious world ruled by the cane energy and out of that we start to program our minds and we actually start to manifest this character and as you can see in the language here we're actually saying that no ai technology that's coming online right now isn't something that's to our modern era we manifested an ai interface to uh, interface with this this is a simulation that we've been in for a long time and that ever since uh, the this this 
this cane energy came onto the scene and started dominating and enslaving everybody, including the land and the animals, everyone began to create this AI interface, this unconscious character, this ego, in order to interact with something that was unnatural and something that was totally devout of real wisdom. And so then I'm going to take you into this little thing and we can have a discussion on it. So it's, you're, you know, it's this idea of sort of this, this modern world of where we as humans, you either are a land baron or you work for the land baron. You know, you either are the corporation or you work for the corporation. And does that inherently create, because now you're, you're, life has to go from this sort of everyone being a mother to everybody to I have to, like you said, be fear driven. Um, I have to, you know, subscribe to the right job so that I can get the house so that I can have the this da, 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 and this like setup of having to live in insecurity such that it is creating this fervor within you to sort of participate in this Canian world of um, the, you know, the small few sort of pull all the strings and everybody else is just working for the, the matrix of it all. So, um, and so the last part of that would be, so we, you know, once we step into imagine fear and our mind becomes reactive, boom, then, then we're, we're possessed and we're possessed when our mind becomes reactive, we disconnect from our spiritual essence. And from that point forward, we're living in reactivity. We're fearing right. love and we're in this thing called instinct mode. And we're constantly secreting cortisol and adrenaline. And we're living in an adrenalized state of being, which makes it impossible to establish or sustain any kind of a connection to our fundamental essence, to spiritual love and truth. So in the past, we being mankind, were completely ruled by our instincts. Most of our days were spent working to sustain a basic existence for our family and ourselves. Food and shelter were not taken for granted, and survival was a full-time job. Fulfilling our basic needs is still a full-time job, except that now we punch chime clocks and buy our food at grocery stores. Has our idea of survival shifted to appease our instincts? So basically, we're starting to paint the picture here is that like, you know, we're getting smarter. Our consciousness is evolving. We don't need brute strength. We don't need to be sticking our head in the dirt 10 hours a day in order to survive. We're starting to get clever. We're starting to build things like the wheel and fire. And we're starting to come up with mechanisms and machines in order to cut down on the amount of toilsome effort that's required to sustain a basic existence. So when this started to happen, the moments of survival um, became sort of a virtual game that was, oh, wait, the moment that survival, you want to read that? Just that start there. The moment survival became a sort of virtual game was the moment our instincts manifested an unconscious character, an ego, in order to rationalize its function to us. We are each the proud owner of our very own unconscious character. The issue, however, lies in the fact that this character consumes our thoughts and dictates our actions. It's kind of interesting because when we talk about this toiling away, when I think about sort of as a kid, I guess, sort of thinking about and hearing stories of like yesteryear and, you know, when the kings ruled the earth and you see these images of like peasants in these heavy raggedy clothes and they're slaving away in the fields and it looks just like arduous, toilsome work. And when you go back and actually look at the history, those 
enslaved peasants of the kingdom only really slaved away for about 30 hours a week. And so when we look at our lives now, 40, 50, 60 hour work weeks that people are working. How do you, how do you get that number with the 30? I, I, I just know that like kids were like in the fields. Right. I mean, yes. They turned eight years old. Right. That was really hard. But when them. you actually go back and like, look at how historians have like pulled what this work, what their days looked like actual like anthropologists, they weren't, yeah, it was hard physical labor, mm -hmm. but they weren't actually working as much as we're working now. And that's mm -hmm. why that's what they're trying to highlight is that this modality of working this many hours is unhealthy. It is unsustainable. It's human beings haven't evolved to be just, you know, these machines that are working, 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 need to be super efficient, need to be answering a thousand emails a minute. That's not how we have evolved or how we are designed to work. We're supposed to have large periods of rest, play, family time, where the brain isn't supposed to be solving complex problems. You know, it needs time to rest, mm -hmm. to synthesize the, the machinery with which we obtain knowledge by doing. Um, that occurs over a course of time. So even now, when you look at all these influencers and things like that, when we talk about AI sort of controlling our lives, our brains haven't adapted to the speed with which we're trying to create memories. So we're taking all these photos as fast as we can. But the problem is, is that the brain hasn't, for one, been allowed to see the image just eyes to image. We're looking through this filter of a screen. Okay. The brain doesn't, with the speed with which we're taking all these images, it doesn't have time to sit in the subconscious and bake itself in. So you're not actually creating memory anymore. So when we go back and we're like, oh, I need to see all these memories in my social media feed or in my camera. Yeah, it's because you're not solidifying the memory anymore. We're, go, we're expected to move so quickly that the brain can't sort of well, it's like long we're consuming. Memory. We're just like consuming like fast food all day, and right. we're never like yeah. really nourishing anything, right? And so. so that goes to you know experiences with your family, relationships, your own self, and ability to remain sane. You know, we're not allowed to give ourselves enough time. And um, interestingly enough, we just witnessed a world of seven, eight billion people, and the fastest it's ever been come to a screeching halt because the universe was like, slow down, you know, mm -hmm. just because you can move faster doesn't make it better or right. Right. Even as we were talking about hospitality before we started recording, I see people who are going, you know, like I can take a thousand tables. That's great. But are you really effectively giving everybody a level of service across the board that is, so deeply engaging that they felt really seen mm -hmm. that you can't do that by doing I went as fast as I possibly could. That's great, but you're not necessarily, you know, faster doesn't mean better. When I made a conscious effort this weekend with my daughters, um, you know, to really just like, and I've been, been, it's been, 
as I've been connecting more internally and becoming more whole, I have been able to like really connect with and see my kids even more over the last couple of months. And, um, uh, the amount of like quality connection that we've done over the last couple of weekends that we've been together. I mean, that like in and of itself has shaped their future more than 15 weekends of me being hurried and frantic and unpresent and on my phone until I could actually slow down. I was getting, I actually got choked up because, uh, my daughter, one daughter, Dee Dee, as you know, she, she likes to make music and sing and she was enrolled. She's enrolled in this music school and, uh, I found another teacher for her as well as the school that she's in. And this place, you know, we get to go over to her house and sit down and she's got a piano and a guitar and there's no masks. And it was just like a very, she made tea with like white tea and the rose and the strawberry and everything was really thoughtful. And it felt right. like, I, you know, I hung out with Dylan for maybe five or 10 minutes. And then, you know, Dylan's like, I feel good. You can go now. And I was like, all right, cool. And so actually, and the night before, she had actually sat down. It's like she intuitively, psychically answered the call and knew what she was getting ready to go into the next day and sat down, got a journal, wrote out the lyrics to her for her song. It's called Lover. And then oh, so she wrote it all out and she brought it to her new teacher and was actually, you know, she's like, I don't know if I could sing it. I'm afraid. I was like, it's okay. Like, just, you don't have to do anything. You know, all you have to do is just show up and let these moments unfold, but be in the moment. You know, yeah. and they're starting to get to the age where they understand that. And as I walked out the door, I really clicked. I was like, this is one of those things like you were able to be present and be available and to recognize the cues that the like do this dance with the spiritual universe that availed this opportunity to get this person in your daughter's life. And this person's going to be like a big deal for your daughter. And you were the thing that facilitated it, you know, and you went out and you got the money and you paid for it yourself. Like you're now taking ownership of, of being, a, being a father uh, in, 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 in new and, and, and more, you're taking more of a committed role. You're being more responsible oh, for their children. Yeah. And it just choked me up. Cause I was just like, cause you, when you're a parent or I, I mean, I guess it goes with anything. I'm sure you had moments like this going through the last year and a half, especially with your, your, your best friend passing mm -hmm. the way they did, um, the way he did. But like when you're having these moments of really showing up for someone you love, and then there's this opposite trauma thing that pops into my mind. It's like, Hey daddy, do you want to hear this beautiful song I'm working on? And I lean down. Yeah, of course. While at the same time, my dad's telling me to shut the fuck up in my brain because they don't want to, he doesn't want to hear me singing. Right. So it's constantly in little moments overriding that little bit of trauma virus and smoothing it out and then reestablishing that connection. Re, re, re like, um, there's like a cloth. It's almost like you're, you're, you're being able to like, uh, repair the, the, the cloth of, of the fabric of your existence just a little bit. And it reconnects you to your organic like essence. Oh, totally. Well, and also, you know, what you're doing is you you answered the call for your entire family's lineage. You're you're answering generational trauma, and they've proven this in mice. You can a trauma can occur in a mother, and three generations later, those baby mice will remember that same trauma the mother has instilled into those baby mice. So it's proven that generational trauma can continue in the DNA of animals. So those of us that are doing this work, 
you know, when it feels overwhelming, yes, it is. Cause you're not just doing the work for yourself. You're doing the work for your parents, your parents' parents, their parents. I mean, this, the, the issue is, is that your spirit said, I'm literally going to be the Hoover Dam to this onslaught of crap that has come down the lineage here, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you made a conscious choice through all the work you've put in. Thank God it got to, you're at the point you're at where your children's maturity is getting to a point of becoming little adults and well, you know, mature children, I guess you could say, cause they're not adults yet, but, um, you know, you're starting to see these moments of like, this is going to, this isn't just like her being little and playing and like, Oh, we can excuse it when in reality we can't. Cause those are also very impressionable years. But when you're starting to see like, this is going to be something she's going to remember for the rest of her life. This is going to be formidable for her moving forward for her creativity. I can still think of my first day of piano lessons that, mm. you know, my parents worked so hard to make sure that I had things that I had and, you know, needed, et cetera. Like those, those are important experiences. And so, you know, it's awesome that you're able to, recreate and re you know manifest out of like the survival mode and you're just instead of dragging your kids up you're raising them up right you know? yeah and it's really um you know interesting you know and she did pull me aside afterwards and she recognized and she said thank you so much papa like really i, I really i'm really grateful that you you did that you know what i mean yeah. and so um and that's kind of like and so I, I guess the other part of that would be that, like, because um, I have been programmed. I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I have been heavily programmed by that trauma thing that you're talking about that's been passed down through yeah. the generations like an old pair of loafers. And so th that programming activated parts of my DNA and it created this character that very much is who I think I am. And right. so that whole identity, that's why in the second measure, you know, we just go like, we're just kind of barely scratching the surface. We're saying, all right, the unconscious creator experiences trauma in these source points, begins to fear, begins to uh, be, uh, create a fearful and possessive and controlling love, and then lives in instinct mode in a reactive state of mind, bracing up against unfamiliarity, much like, you know, Adam and Eve and the, the serpent in the garden. And then we're going inside the mind and we're saying, well, this does some stuff inside the mind. This programs us to have automatic thought patterns and to uh, have our unconscious mind be uniquely focused upon threats. It filters every bit of our sensory experience through this like basically mental supercomputer and uh, we're always running around trying to validate our sense of self because that's part of being a human and an individual and an autonomic you know an aut aut what's that word having autonomy and being an individual well we always want to assert our individuality but the problem is if our, if our individual identity is built off terrible beliefs based on decisions we made as three or four year olds or five or six year olds experiencing trauma mm -hmm. Well, then we're going to be programmed for shit. And by the time we're 40, 45, we have now set into motion automatic habitual patterns of thought and action that are so ingrained and so enmeshed into our into who we believe we are that it's literally a freight train that's been set into motion with reckless abandon. And what that was prior to conscious creators was 
a person who's now shaking his fist at God saying, why have you cursed me? Why has Hades cursed me? Why does God hate me? I'm cursed. Like, look at my wife. Look how they don't have the awareness to understand that they've set the train in motion with the decisions they've made right. and the patterns they've created. They think the gods are, 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 you know, are, are, are disapproving of them or punishing them for something they've done. And that becomes a death sentence. And then they just drive themselves into a wall and explode. Right. Well, I mean, we were, we're seeing it now. I mean, you're, yeah, it's be programmed so that you can be harvested for other people's gain, you know, instead of when we're, you know, when we come into this world, we incarnate, but we, you know, we forgot everything that we learned in previous lives. It's our job to become consciously aware of, oh yeah, I have lived this before. Oh yeah. I don't want to make those same mistakes. You know, it's like, that's a really tough place to get to of, you know, we talked about in a couple of weeks ago, the idea of the burning house, you know, like, are you still infatuated with all the little antiques in every room? Or have you figured out and smelled the smoke? Like, oh my God, this MFR is burning to the ground. I got to get the hell out of here, you know, like, and that's sort of this idea that we're talking about is, are we still stuck on this path of misery? But the challenge is, is that, you know, okay, we become conscious, but it's not like we can just fully detach and walk away for, you know, like, okay, I don't really value money. I don't really want it. I don't need to spend it, whatever. But at the same time, there's still this expectation of, I still owe these credit cards and the mm -hmm. student loans and the landlord wants the rent. And well, how do I procure this thing that provides that, you know, so that I'm stuck in this. I'm going to switch this out real quick. Stay, stay with that thought. You're back on stuck in this. Um, just sort of stuck in this rat race of, you know, you have conscious awareness, but can you fully detach from this system? And I think, um, I think detach is a really excellent word because it, it, it kind of gets its tentacles into us. You know, it's like, if you really step back and you go, right, the masters of mankind have built this society for us to dwell in. And we weren't always, a free people, so to speak. And at one point in Europe, the people that, you know, the masters of mankind kind of looked around and said, this is very inefficient having all these slaves. It's time to let these people go. And we'll just create a currency system. We'll still have them do all the work, but now they'll pay their own way and they'll build their own shelters. And let's just do it that way because it's it's much more efficient for us. We're just, ble we're bleeding out here. Right. Which, how sad people. is that, that, actual holding of slaves was treating the slaves better because you it was like communism in a sense you were housing them feeding them but then you looked around and said even slavery is too expensive and treating them too well let them all do it on their own and like you said we'll create this currency system by which you become enslaved which I fully get, you know, it's like, well, it's just, to, well, I don't know. It's to become enslaved. It's to continue to perpetuate their self enslavement. And, and what I, what I always say is the only part of like, the only mechanism of mind control that's ever been deemed effective on this planet is to make the individual brace up against their experience and survive harder than they would have to otherwise. And so if you can create conditions such as a dead empire, if you can create conditions such as, 
you know, whatever the work week is, throw some kids in, you're always working at a debt deficiency. Then you create a system, a banking system where every dollar you print is only worth 90 cents. So the population as a whole is already indebted to something. So they're always working from scarcity and they never have that, that sense of wholeness. And they're always on the treadmill chasing a moment that never arrives. That's making an individual survive harder. And that individual is in that reactive state of instinct mode and they cannot connect their fundamental essence. They have no access to wisdom. They can't download any updates and they stay ignorant, they stay scared, they stay easily manipulated, and then they end up expiring prematurely because of all the, the tax that the stress has on their, their organs. And they're kept alive with artificial medications and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's like, these, who's to say we couldn't have lived like Moses? We could have been 300 years old. Like, right. why, are, why are you saying that we only can live 76 years? Yeah, maybe under a constant state of duress in this like Cain's empire of fear and control where we're constantly locking up everything, including the love inside of ourselves and we're controlling everything, living in that kind of a thing. Like people want it. I mean, there's studies out that people want people lose their vision. They stop hearing. They lose their ability to speak because they just don't want to look at it anymore. They don't want to hear it anymore. They want it to go away. So they make themselves go deaf and blind. Yeah. That's how gnarly this thing is for some people. Well, right. Manifesting in physical, you know, a physical form, paralysis, whatever. I mean, some of those things are, you know, biological, but um, oh, absolutely. I'm not saying across the board, but right. some people literally don't. Oh, totally. Well, I mean, this idea of, oh, you know, work until retirement and then you can, then you can go rest when, you know, you hear it all the time. Oh, they retired and two weeks later they died. You know, it's like, oh man, you, you did all of that for what, you know? And then do you, it's like, okay, I guess maybe you're you know, in your children inherit whatever is left or something, you know, if you, if you went down that route, but it's like someone like myself, I don't have children. I don't plan on having children. Well, what's the point? You know, I can't afford a house because I'm enslaved to all this student loan debt and everything. Like, it's interesting because... Well, but that's the thing is because by the time you get to the end of this first three and I don't mean to cut you off, but I just want it because I, I, this can get really dark really right, quick. Exactly. And so all I'm, all, but th thankfully, this is only the first three measures. And all we really want to do is say like, oh, wow, we are. I'm, as long as my mind is reactive and as long as I'm in this thing and I'm supporting this this thing, I'm fucked. This is the because when when my mind is in fear, I'm going to be activating. It's like, you know, alcohol it creates an allergic reaction. Well, stress and fear creates an allergic reaction and activates these survival patterns and keeps us in instinct mode on that treadmill. Thankfully, luckily, there's, you know, as you move through the process, you're able to neutralize those patterns as you can obviously see, like I've been doing the, the, the work here for a couple of years. I'm a very, I'm not even the same person I was a year and a half right. ago. And so then you can start tapping into that wisdom and then you can start to reorganize your life because you can regain access to your, your, your essence, who and what you are become integrated again. Right, and right. we're no longer just thing chasing this carrot down the road, thinking yeah. like everything once you, cause then you step into that wisdom. There's all these things that are possible for you. You can see the possibility and you can recognize and you can start to act on it little by little. Mm -hmm. So that, that the hopelessness that we're feeling right now is kind of an essential part of the thing. You have to kind of walk through the desert and be tempted by all this stuff, but then really to go into the third thing and be like, well, we are living in the remnants of a dying dream. 
The minds that created this died a long time ago. We're not even the same humanoids that right. created this like yeah. social structure, exactly. this pyramid yeah. thing. And it's really on us to start, you know, tapping back into this, this sacred place within us. And, you know, little by little start to co-create because my, my experience has been as I become more integrated and whole, there's like this joy comes and then I don't need a thousand thumbs up. I don't need to sell a million widgets. I don't need, but most people are so programmed oh, yeah. to oh, need yeah. something external to happen. Well, and especially now you're really seeing it as we've unhinged from, you know, especially in like the sort of 1950s kind of world, religion played this key role in like social structure. And now they've sort of seen like, oh, well, we don't really need that as long as you can kind of, you know, like you said, keep them on this treadmill, keep trying to achieve you know, all the likes and buy all the things and make all the things, you know, it's sort of working even more efficiently than having this invisible God, you know, when you keep people like enslaved to tangibility, will they ever have enough? You know, like mm. it is interesting. It's just very, um, and now we're even moving into, it appears that we're moving into, it seems almost that the religious God, the God of religion was definitely losing its power over the masses. And now in comes this thing of like this God of science. And there's this ultimate authoritative scientific voice on the planet that overrides everything else and will become a voice of authority. And it's kind of where God and God and science will merge in this thing. I don't know what you call it. Maybe it's called scientism, but it's some kind of a thing. There's science, which is always science and it's amazing and it yields all kinds of things. And I'm, I love science, but then there's this really like fixed scientism thing. This like 1984 voice of science that's going to come in the next couple hundred years. That's going to just hand down these mandates, much like the Catholic priests or the different organized religions would hand out sermons on Sunday to their, their followers. You know what I mean? And I could totally see it switching over into that as we, as a society become more integrated into this AI, this artificial intelligence thing, because our instinctual character is fighting for its life because it wants to maintain control of this human vessel. It's not willing to allow this growing consciousness to infiltrate its controls and to corrupt all the work it's done. It will never let go of us. We need right. to say, hey, sit down, buddy. Like you're done. Like you, you can't I, I, like, cause the instinct mind just creates a baby and it starts protecting this baby as if it were who we are and we become possessed by it. Well, it's also the, our animal component. You know what I Bingo. mean? Like at the end of the day, there's still, you still see a lot of animalistic qualities that drive our functioning. You know, it's like, I especially see Do you have an this, example like, that comes well, to mind with that. I think at, as someone, you know, I was born LGBT, so I see different than this, you know, this idea of like, well, you just grow up and you get married and you have babies. That's just what you do. This, you just, yeah. that's the suit you follow in. It's like, okay, well, that wasn't really my. So that's off the table for you. Right. You yeah, I got it. And then even being a vegetarian for 20 years, like there was this staff meal at work the other day of oxtails and i just was watching these people like hork down on these bony what? meaty oxtails and like and hearing other people like oh it's so good i love oxtail in my head i'm just going oh my god i'm watching so... people like and i'm like this is like watching animals i'm like for one never in 
like I barely ate burgers and chicken nuggets when you know when I was a kid before I stopped eating meat. But to see these people and they're just like, oh, it's just like food. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just watching it in just horror of you're eating like the bony ass of an ox. <laughs> it just was so, you know, in suits and ties. And there was something about it just so That's so amazing. What it a visual. Was this, yeah, it was this hideous and they and 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 I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Spirited Away, but in the beginning, when Chihiro, before she goes into the spirit house, the parents transform and at the market into these pigs, and they're just eating everything. And she's like, hey, wake up. And they're just these carnal pigs just, just ravaging all this food. And it was like that. I literally was living that experience where I'm like, oh, my God. Like, people are so unconscious and you well, know, it's also like the image of like an oxtail. It's like what sounds more yes, unedible? Like, I like know. they just like we have we have to do something with all these oxtails. Let's just send them over to the bowl. The and it's serve, not the surf salito. And it's not like it's <laughs> the eighteen hundreds. You know, this is you can you could eat different whatever. But oh my god, I was just like dying on the inside. Like oh my god, how what level of consciousness are you at that and. You know, no offense. I'm not trying to like shame people for eating meat because I don't like to be that person. It I wanted, just more I was that it was like a such a strange imagery. This is something that goes perfectly off, and then I'm going to throw it right back to you. So we are living in the remnants of a dying dream. The minds that created this dream have died long ago, but for some reason we continue to hold on to this creation as if it were our own. The only reason that this current reality persists is because we still support it with our mind. It's corrupted our mind. We are programmed to pay attention to it, maybe shake our fists at it, maybe demand that it change. But at the end of the day, if we're resisting it, we're paying attention to it and it's persisting. But the, the, this, this is interesting right here. It says this dream seems to have evolved, but this too is only an illusion. The only change that has occurred is in the physical realm. We have focused on building our outer world just to avoid facing this inner truth or reconnecting to that essence. We have built up this modern world out of a need for something, anything that can make us feel complete or at least distract us from our incompleteness. And so the, the oxtails in 2021 with a bunch of people sitting around just eating like a horse's ass, it's like, well, maybe we haven't evolved. Maybe there's like a really finite percentage of this population that's created like alien technology that all the rest of these like animals are enjoying and stuff but at the end of the day maybe we're giving humanity way too much credit maybe we haven't evolved at all maybe this prison that we built for ourselves is just evolving because we need to distract ourselves right i mean i really that's kind of what i was recognizing was just this like oh you know we there are certain components and you know, there's certain um, just choices and I guess the word, you know, fads or traditions or whatever, you know, that move forward that it 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 could take another, you know, two, three, four hundred years for consciousness to sort of evolve to this beyond these sort of things you know at, at the rate if you will that things are going but can we go back to your example because you were talking from the lgbtq uh, perspective and you're like okay i'm born into this thing and it's kind of this 1950s thing and you know everyone's expected to have these kids and do this thing and so there was like that was off the table for you and there was like so it's like there were things that are inherent into this, 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 whatever, this program that we're supposed to adhere to. And you're like, well, I don't, 
like so how did you grapple with that like what you know like it's like people search for meaning man search for meaning like what is the meaning because I, I could tell you what the meaning for, for life is in conscious creators but you know i mean like we suggest it's supporting spiritual love and truth which are broken up into these fundamental needs and if we're nurturing these needs then we're on that spiritual surfboard but like how i wanted to i think to um you know for for a lot of lgbt people this is not the truth for every single one of them because i know such a vast variety of you know, the same way that if you're heterosexual, it doesn't mean you're just one thing, you're a myriad of things, you just happen to be heterosexual, same thing for the LGBT community. But when, when these societal expectations that are sort of unconscious, well, you just grow up, you just get married, you just have a baby, you just have a house, you just, da, 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 you know, when that isn't sort of that cards you're dealt, typically you see a lot more of the LGBT individuals in creative fields because you may not be creating this literal baby that you help craft and mold, but oftentimes you're working in a creative field that you are crafting and molding like, you know, physical or non-physical creative babies, if you will. And I think there's an element behind that, whether it's storytelling, fashion, art, you know, music, hair and makeup design, interior design, weddings, whatever, you know, the list goes on and on and on. There is an element there of, you have a, a, a sense of difference from the mainstream that gives you enough of a vision to see the world differently where hmm. when you then, when you are searching for this meaning, a lot of times people do it through marriage and children and mm -hmm. spirituality, etc. It, it may come through the enlightening of these um, creative experiences. Mm -hmm. And then that translates for other people who didn't necessarily have that initial awareness. The same way you may go to the museum and see the painting and then have the visceral experience with the finished tangible work, but you want to necessarily have the consciousness to get the canvas and spend the time and paint the thing and, mm -hmm. you know, do all the work to create the baby, if you will, the same way that the parent may create the person that then becomes the cancer healer or the second coming of Jesus or whatever, you know what I mean? And not in like a worshiping sense, but just that, that notion of, oh, wow. Um, and then also being part of the society, but being having, you know, not being so singularly focused on the same things that may be a, a large proportion of the, like, procreation and all that gives right. you the ability to create other, like, put that creative urge, because we are creators, we're born into this world to create, and you get to create your own babies and then give it to that the main society mm, in a right. way that they can awaken and they can go, oh, there's other things possible besides just eating and pooping and making babies. Exactly, especially because we see this in... Um, you know, we go back to earlier societies and native um, cultures, you see this where you had, oh, okay, there were heterosexual individuals within those, you know, clans and tribes. They were procreators. You had, you know, the men did the farming, the women did the domestic work, but then you had like the shamans, you had the Burdashi, you had the two-spirit, you had these outliers that weren't ostracized 
No, they were revered as spiritual, medicinal healers mm -hmm. and creators and the power of storytelling um, and oral tradition, you know, that, that these people would be um, sort of entrusted with these aspects of society. It's not the whole of the society. The, the organism, of course, were designed to continue procreating, you know, to continue the species that's in our sure. our root, our most root DNA is stay alive and continue the genome, yep. you know. Yep. But the individuals who, you know, but such as myself were like, okay, cool, stay alive. You don't necessarily have to carry on the genome. We've got enough of those workers. So make know? it badass and beautiful. But do right. Do, do something so that when you look around, it's not all freaking drab and whatever. And yeah, now, lab coats and fucking fluorescent lights. Right. Yeah. You know, and and creating that. You know, and and mm. not and not to say that anybody can't have you know um, experiences or work sure. with that that aren't you know heterosexual and don't have children aren't and aren't not creatives, but this idea that. That's sort of the thing um, that I think you see happen is when you're when you don't immediately identify with that right from the get go. It's like, okay, well, what does it look like? All right, your awareness sort of scoots over here, which in a way kind of gives you this little bit of um, special powers, if you will, simply in just that you see things just that little bit differently, so that influences your everyday decision making you Ooh. know it's like we all the flags just look like flags when you're wearing rose colored glasses you know so um it's easy to continue to just move through all of this until you're at retirement going oh what you know how did right. i get here whatever well then you look up and you're like and you know maybe that works but i mean if you're someone who from a very young age was like you know, if you just like shake a kid a little bit, it starts to cry. If you like, sh we're shaken in such a way that we like disconnect from our true essence and we just go off and we just perpetuate this program. And then we wake up at 65 and we're going, you know, the kids are gone, nothing's going on. Then we're going like, who am I anyway? Right. What am I doing here? What was the point of all this? And if that, you know, and then they actually, there's an interesting study there's a lot of people who pass away shortly after retirement. Right. And when you they're look, like, what do I do if I'm not a cognitive wheel? Like right. I don't even want to think about it. I'm out. And there there's been this study into octogenarians and how they continue to have longevity. A huge part of that comes down to there's like two different groups as you get older. You either are just accepting, like, this is where I am. I'm now 65. I'm coming to the end of my life. Or you're the group that says, I'm now 65, I'm just getting to the middle of my life. So it's this perspective of choice. You're either, like you said, already manifesting, okay, I've hit 40, I'm halfway there, I'm 65, well, now there's only a few years left. Oh, I'm 80, all right, it's time to die. Octogenarians continue living because they, they always see the age they're at as their half-life. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm, they're, mm -hmm. they keep going forward because they never see, they're always living in today is my prime. And so that's how they continue living so long is because the goal is always getting better, not getting to the end of your life.
which ties into the very beginning of our conversation with Dylan and Emmy and me being present and being always in the now and being really connected and present with them and letting those moments that are basically infinite, like that, like when you're actually present in the same sharing space with love, like that, there is no time. That's when all time stops. And it's like that experience right there is worth more than a million moments where you're just focused on the clock waiting to die. Exactly. Or like you said, you know, um, cause if when I die is really none of my business, right. my only job for me is, is when I die, this is really interesting. I, I I'm in a state of gratitude and appreciation and I have a joy and wholeness in my heart. There's no regret, shame, guilt, or blame. And so the, the trouble is, I don't know when I'm going to die. And so that requires me on a daily basis, moment to moment, to ensure that my mind is uncorrupted. Right. That I'm out of this program and this like reactivity that keeps, because that fear literally activates my unconscious identity and keeps me right. in a state of victimhood or regret or blame or shame. So I can't live in fear because that keeps that active for me. Once mm -hmm. my mind becomes mm -hmm. reactive, I'm a different person than when I'm actually open and receptive. Well, and even, you know, as a trusted steward of these children now, instead of, you know, I have to keep punching the clock and I'm working at the desk and da 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 and would Dylan's memory be, um, oh, well, we couldn't go to music class that day because I just remember dad sitting at the desk and dismissing me. You know what I mean? It's like, and how many memories of that would be if you were just kept well, my dad did this, so this is what I do, and this is what it looks like, and this is the formula I repeat, and da 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 da. That's know? the subtle trauma. In, in, yeah. And then would that be how her memories are formed for the rest of her life? She's always seeking dad's approval because he, her memory is, well, he's sitting at his desk doing his work, and he, I, he can't be bothered with me. And what, would that affect her decision-making and what she chooses to seek out in the rest of her life, as opposed to- And her worthiness of what exactly. she accepts as her inherent worthiness. Right, as yeah. opposed to, you know, even though it may look like whatever because she doesn't realize how profound it is, there's gonna come a point in her life where she's gonna look back and go, oh my God, how amazing was it that through all of everything that my dad was dealing with, he showed up in that moment. He encouraged this thing. It allowed me to do this. It, it set an example that moving forward, I can do this in all these other areas. You know, it's like, there's something really profound in that because that's the experience that lives on beyond you, you mm -hmm. know? That's the thing you get to send with her that um, when, you know, when we pass away, instead of just, okay, I carried on the genome, you instead broke the thread of your genealogical past and started recreating a new experience, you know, of consciousness for your children that hopefully will, you know, be a space for them to really move forward into, you know, this new unprecedented world that's being left for them, you know? And, and I love that because really at the end of the day, as a father and someone who comes from trauma and who comes from a hurried, inattentive, checked out, neglectful 
maternal energy not and i don't say that from a perspective of victimhood i just say it life was moving fast there was mm -hmm. mortgage there was kids to feed there was no help and no support for this person nor was there the consciousness at that point for this person to create community and village like i did and kelly right. did and so but i come from that and so my i'm programmed to seek out and to share in inattentive neglectful love from someone who's ignoring me and so i'm hardwired to ignore and to neglect so that those girls can grow up so that a, a broken man like me can then find a mate and perpetuate the right, cycle right and so the only way that that cycle breaks is by me through the work and conscious creators is slowly f opening up and flowering to the possibility of being worthy of 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 like nurturing energy and someone to nourish me and to nurture me and to see me and to, to, to love me in a way that's really unfamiliar. And so, and as that, I, I only go where they go. So like if I were to stay shut down and invested in and on drugs and addicted and all the things that I was doing to keep myself in a place where I'm a victim and people neglect me, then, then my daughters would be right. impacted by that in, in a really profound way. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um, we have a couple of minutes left. Uh, a facet of, you know, an example of how sort of conscious awareness spreads. And that, you know, it, it really is, it takes, um, it's like that example of the monkeys and the coconuts. You know, there was this island in the Pacific where they were testing atom bombs. And so they brought these monkeys in to see if they could survive on that irradiated land. And um, wow, really? Yeah, the monkeys were just eating the coconuts and um, dying. But they taught like three of them how to wash the coconuts that washed off the radiation. And those monkeys survived. And they watched as those monkeys slowly started teaching other ones. And what happened was it it got to this apex where enough monkeys were taught what to do that then it tripped this line where suddenly it only took like 10 or 15 of those monkeys to learn out of the group of a hundred. And then intuitively, once enough got to the critical point, they all just intuitively started washing the coconuts. They didn't have to be, all be taught individually. It's just, they saw the shift and they all huh. sensed the shift and they got to this point. So it's like, so it's like herd immunity, but with consciousness, right? Interesting. And and you know, wow, what you a said, beautiful example! Right, this this idea of us like going through this walk about this desert of time. You know, that's kind of like you said, we're in that space right now. We're in that space of we're teaching a few of us how to wash the coconuts, so that hopefully the next generation. Well, we're already seeing it. You know, it's like you've got certain parents raging about trans individuals in their child's classroom, and the child is like, "I could, I don't even know what you're talking about. What are you mad about?" It's, right. it's just another kid who cares right and isn't that beautiful you yeah know, that, that, like, that's you projecting your stuff right on like me. i don't know you're t i'm just playing with my friend billy over here who used to be sue but that's who cares you know right like big deal yep so, i feel you anyway good 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 combo as always thank you so much do you have anything we have one minute left do you have anything just, or you're good or um, that was a beautiful no, point yeah i think on. uh you know just that idea of you know, we're getting there. Some of it's that idea of saying, forgive those father for they know not what they do. And the rest of it is just kind of continuing on this path and trying to, you know, enlighten ourselves and hopefully enlighten our neighbors.
Excellent. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Until next time, we're out.